Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, sponsored by America's card room, ACR, where right now you can get a first-time deposit bonus 100% up to $2,000 using the promo code TPE. I'm Clayton Fletcher, your host here in New York City, where this weekend, Friday and Saturday night, December 30th and 31st, I will be appearing at West Side Comedy Club, 75th Street and Amsterdam Avenue in beautiful Manhattan. No place better to be on New Year's Eve weekend than New York, New York. And if you're going to be here and you want to take in a comedy show, that's where I'll be. And I hope to see some of you there. I hope that you all had a great Christmas or a lovely Hanukkah or whatever you happen to celebrate. Got to spend time with family, loved ones, and all that good stuff. I had a bit of a whirlwind trip seeing every Fletcher (laughs) known to man in the last couple of weeks. And it was a lot of fun. I did not get to play any live poker on my travels because the schedule was too hectic and the one day i could have gone there was a snowstorm in cleveland ohio that was so bad they actually advised people to stay off all the roads which they might do that a lot where you're from but they don't actually do that very often in ohio where snow is pretty commonplace and most drivers there are pretty good at handling it but on this day with the wind chill it was negative 26 degrees And, uh, yeah, they actually played the coldest NFL game in the history of the Cleveland Browns (laughs) on that weekend. So, yeah, it was not uh, my kind of weather. And I'm hoping to get to the Bahamas next month. But that is for a future episode. With this episode, we are going to have an exclusive interview with Sean McCormick, the poker boss himself. He's the director of poker strategy for MGM International and someone that many of you will be quite familiar with. Uh, he is going to talk to me a little bit in this pre-recorded interview about the state of poker and where he sees poker going in the new year, 2023. I want to, before we get to that interview, I want to talk a little bit, as I do at the end of every year, about the goals that I had set for 2022. So as this year comes to an end, I want to just kind of look back at the goals that I set for myself in 2022 back in January, and I encourage all of you to do this as well. I mean, it doesn't really help us to set goals if we're never going to look at them again. You know, it's kind of like people make these New Year's resolutions, I'm going to join a gym, and then the gyms, you know, they sell a million memberships every year in January, and then most of you won't be back in the gym at all in February, March, April, and May. So it's better to kind of keep an eye on your goals. Hold yourself accountable. And as you guys know, if you've been listening for a while, I don't believe in setting like a goal, like I'm going to win two bracelets or I'm going to win X number of dollars. You know, there's so much variance in especially the game that I usually play, which is multi-table tournament, no limit hold'em. It's just not meaningful to set 
goals such as dollar amounts or bracelets or any other accolades we might be striving for. Yeah, did I want to open an envelope in a mystery bounty this year? Absolutely. But I did not make that a goal because there are too many factors beyond my control that can prevent me from doing so. But what I can control is my process. And in 2022, I looked back on 2021 and saw that I had played in 1,580 online MTTs. And knowing that that number was somewhat inflated by the reality of the coronavirus and the fact that I was unable to do my other job for most of that year, uh, yeah, I this year I, I went down a little bit. I didn't expect to play that much online poker this year, but I definitely spent quite a bit of time on ACR and WSOP.com and a little bit on some other sites. Uh, I set a goal of 1,000 online tournaments in 2022, and I fell a little bit short of the mark. I had to settle for 803 tournaments this year, uh, assuming I don't play anymore in the next couple of days here as I'm recording this on Thursday, December 29th. I still have a couple more days to try to squeeze in a little bit more online action, but I don't really see myself being able to do that. It just doesn't seem like something I'm going to be able to squeeze in with the schedule I have uh, with this big performing weekend that I have coming up. So I think we're going to sit right at 8.03 and that's going to be the tally for this year. I also set a goal to play in 100 live tournaments. Now, I decided this would include smaller events such as one-day tournaments in this local casino or that local casino, like a turbo event that only lasts a few hours, even including live sit-and-goes, which, uh, as many of you know, I've spent a lot of time in the satellite room at the World Series of Poker in years past. Uh, So, yeah, I had some pretty lofty goals there. I wanted to play in a lot of live and online tournaments this year. As it turns out, the tally for the year came to 57. So I really fell short of my goal of playing 100 live tournament events. I played a little bit more cash this year than I have in years past. Uh, I did focus a little bit more on cash games. I particularly enjoy uh, Pot Limit Omaha, high only. And I played uh, quite a few hours, almost 200 hours of PLO live. So that kind of explains it a little bit. Also, the comedy career was back in full swing this year. And I did spend a lot of time on stage. So I can't really complain. But yeah, the reason I like to set lofty goals for myself, I want them to be achievable, but not too easily. I want to try to push myself to do well in hitting my goals and particularly with the volume of MTTs I want to play. It's a basic fundamental mathematical fact that variance becomes far less impactful as volume increases. Put another way, you could say that a smaller sample size relies more on positive variance, whereas a larger sample size variance becomes even over time. Now, you're never going to reach the actual long run in one year of live poker, but it is possible to even out the score at least to some degree by putting in more volume and playing more events and just, you know, putting in the work. So I'm a little bit 
sorry that I didn't make it to 100 this year. But, you know, 57 is actually a lot of live tournaments for a full-time comedian. So <laughs> I'm going to give myself a little bit of slack there. As it turns out, I only ended up playing like seven or eight of the uh, sit-and-goes in this year's WSOP. There were a lot of reasons for that. I ended up playing a lot more online there. Um, I ended up playing, as I said, a lot more cash games and things like that. So it's not like I wasn't involved in poker this year, but I definitely would like to increase that number for next year. Oh, by the way, guys, uh, I'm not going to talk about my 2023 goals on this episode. We're going to save that for next week once it's actually January. I'm going to just finish closing out this year as a look back, uh, a year in review, if you will. And then we're going to talk with Sean McCormick about what he sees as the uh, what's on the horizon, if you will, for poker, both online and live in the new year. And then we'll do another hand from the uh, Mystery Bounty tournament that I played, the WPT Mystery Bounty a couple weeks ago out at the uh, Wynn Casino in fabulous Las Vegas. I have another hand for from that event that I wanted to run through with you guys and that'll do it for 2022 so another goal i had set earlier this year back in january was to put in 100 hours of poker study i think study is very important Um, i ended up obliterating this goal i put in 302 hours of poker study this year i'm by far the most i've ever worked in any given year i've never put in this kind of study i'm talking about watching TPE videos, reading poker books such as Play Optimal Poker 2, Range Construction by my dear friend Andrew Brokus. Um, I, I just really putting in the work, watching poker videos, reading books, getting coaching, certainly playing with solvers. Any time that I spent really concentrating on trying to improve my game through any of these various methods, I consider poker study And yeah, I really, I'm very proud of this uh, work that I put in. I know that I'm playing the best poker of my entire life right now. And ironically, 2022 was actually a slightly losing year (laughs) for me. (laughs) So I I take the record, I just throw the record book out the window uh, as far as how much work I put into my game. And I actually ended up slightly down for the year and this includes online live cash tournaments everything just you know a few thousand dollars in the red which i'm not happy about it's actually i think the first losing year i've ever had in my career and so that wasn't fun i'm looking forward to avenging that in the new year thankfully the other aspects of my life were more profitable than usual especially comedy i made a lot more money doing comedy this year than i ever have before So that was, you know, on the plus side, things tend to even out. I I look at my life as one big diversified portfolio. (laughs) So, yeah, the irony of working harder on my poker game than ever and still losing money uh, is not lost on me. And I'm sure it's not lost on you either. There was one other goal that I wanted to mention that I had set back in January before we get to Sean McCormick. I had a goal for this year to put out 48 episodes of the TPE podcast. And friends, I am so thrilled to announce that you are currently listening to the 48th episode 
of the year. So I absolutely nailed this goal right on the bullseye, right on the mark. So yeah, and I'm happy to do that. It was a, a whirlwind of a year. You know, shortly before the World Series of Poker, Derek Tenbush and I had a conversation about the changing financial arrangement between Tournament Poker Edge and the podcast host, <laughs> yours truly. And basically, I, we were going to need to find a sponsor. So as you guys know, I was asking everyone out there if they wanted to be a sponsor. Um, Danny from SitesOptimize.com stepped up to the plate for a while and kind of kept us afloat. Shout out to Danny. Happy New Year, sir. And thanks again for what you did for us. And uh, I still say, you know, even though he's not a sponsor anymore, I still tell people, you know, go to SitesOptimize.com if you're looking for web design and SEO services. Danny's a great guy. He does a great job. And that's, you know, a free plug for Danny. After that, we were kind of uh, in a bit of a limbo. We had a deal. Um, I don't want to name who the deal was with. It kind of fell through at the 11th hour. And then actually, this podcast was once again on the brink of extinction. And then my knight in shining armor, America's card room, came through in the clutch. And we now have uh, a great thing going, I think. And by the way, guys, if you haven't yet joined our Discord, I want you to click on the link in the description to join the TPE Discord. We talk about the podcast. We talk about what's going on at ACR. There's a whole section where you can just share whatever hand histories you want or whatever bad beats you want to talk about, other topics. It's a great place. The TPE community is as strong as it has ever been, and it's great to interact with everyone on Discord. Discord is so easy to use, and I'm just a big fan of the platform. And I hope that you guys will get on there if you haven't done so already. It's 100% free. Just click the link in the description and join the TPE Discord. You'll even be eligible for upcoming giveaways and sweepstakes and all kinds of fun things that we have going on. You will get exclusive access to opportunities with real value uh, just by joining the Discord. You have nothing to lose. So click that link right now if you haven't done so yet. All right, so uh, yeah, obviously it's been a you know a wild year. The podcast was kind of like walking a tightrope, and now we're on stable ground again. You know, my comedy career was you know great. I even recorded an album, which I hope to be sharing with you guys really soon. Things around the world seem to have gotten back to some sense of normal, normalcy, normalness. I don't know what the word is, um, but yeah, after the uh, you know COVID nineteen disaster of 2020 and 2021 it feels like we've got that mostly under control knock on wood i hope there's no new variants on the way that we're going to need to worry about or whatever uh it was a wild year we had robbie and garrett and the jack four heard around the world the orioles had a winning season just a <laughs> all in all a pretty fun year to uh, be a part of despite the fact that i did not turn a profit at the tables so yeah i don't i don't mind admitting that to you guys i know a lot of people that host a poker podcast they wouldn't be comfortable sharing with their listeners that they didn't win money playing poker all year but you know i'm i'm honest with you guys you guys know that i've had a lot of success in my poker career and i don't want to be like one of these instagram people like using a filter and trying to pretend that my life is perfect look poker was a struggle this year especially over the summer. I played in a lot of tournaments. Most of the volume that I put in 
was in the World Series of Poker. I think I played 32 different events. I only had two small caches to show for it. Looking back, I actually ran bad in two particular areas. I lost a lot of big pots holding big pairs, pocket aces, pocket kings, hands like that, where I just uh, ended up losing the pot. And I think most people would have lost some number of chips in my shoes with those hands, but I'm not really sure whether I played all of them as well as I could have. Uh, And certainly coin flips. My coin flips did not go well. I believe I ended up four for 11 in the summer in major important coin flips. So that was bad. You know, if that number had been five or six, then, you know, maybe I would have had another cash or two, maybe enough to even save the summer and thus save the year. But, you know, in poker, we can't look at what could have, would have, should have been. Really, if I would have put in twice as many tournaments, probably those coin flips would have evened out and my big pairs would have held up as much as they are supposed to. And I wouldn't be complaining about the variance. So I realized that. And that's why in next week's episode, you will hear a major commitment on my part to get that volume up. All right. Well, let's go to the interview that I did with the poker boss himself, all around poker wise guy, Sean McCormick. And now, as they say, for something completely different, I've, <laughs> I'm going to introduce you guys to someone that I think is going to be able to give us some really good insight here at the end of 2022. He is the only, to my knowledge and to his, the, the world's only director of poker strategy. And he's the director of poker strategy for none other than MGM International. Please welcome first-time guest, Sean McCormick. Sean, how you doing? Clayton, doing great, and uh, happy holidays to everyone and, and uh, you and yours uh, during this great season. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the show, and uh, yeah, I, I totally think this is the only position of its kind, and I'm kind of uh, humbled and taken back that, that the company chose me to kind of uh, steer the ship a little bit when it comes to poker for MGM Resorts, so it's, it's been pretty cool so far. Yeah, now when you are labeled the director of poker strategy, I'm assuming you're not teaching the other employees how to play poker, right? No, no. My job is more working with the leaders at all the different properties. Uh, MGM currently has nine properties, four in Las Vegas and five regionally. So just working on them to kind of bring some synergy between the poker rooms, kind of have like similar offerings, but also different uh, between the properties because they are different and and we want to, uh, you know, uh, showcase those differences. But, uh, you know, just bringing everybody together to kind of strategize, whether it's cash games, how we run things operationally or even tournaments or even kind of like running like series and festivals and stuff like that. Just kind of like a bigger overarching look at how we operate poker for the company. Well, you know, I think it sends a message to the general public that MGM is taking its position in the poker world seriously to create a whole job title just for you. Yeah, it's uh, I, again, it's just been kind of humbling. I've I've already uh, got to meet with uh, some really big leaders in the company, and yeah, uh, poker is a big part of our future, uh, you know, and creating, uh, you know, again, just more synergy between the properties, but also, uh, 
poker is going to be part of our uh, omni-channel approach of how we look at our partnership with BetMGM. You know, we do BetMGM poker online, so bringing those online players to the brick and mortar and vice versa. So I've uh, been working with people on that team too. And just like, like I said, poker is just the future uh, at MGM Resorts. That's so cool. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I want to hear your thoughts about the future for sure. But let's look back at the past first. I mean, I think 2022 was pretty much a banner year for poker coming back full force after the pandemic had closed everything down for a bit. Uh, it seems like live poker had quite a renaissance this year. Uh, is that what you saw as well? Yeah, I mean, the people definitely came back to the rooms, um, back to the events. Uh, just here in Las Vegas, all the events this year had uh, huge upticks. And the live side, too, people are coming back. They're playing uh, in strong numbers. So and we're hoping to keep that momentum going into 23. But, uh, you know, we had that big dip in 2020, of course, like everyone did. And we grinded back in 21 to, uh, you know, uh, uh, reap the benefits of of the players coming back. And, in, like I said, in a strong force. Uh, and a strong showing back in our poker rooms. And did all of the uh, MGM properties reopen their their poker rooms? Uh, uh, for the most part, yes, all of them are open. Some of them still have uh, a couple of them still have limited hours, but for the most part, all of our rooms have reopened uh, 24 hours a day, 365. Wow, very cool, very cool. One of the first places I ever played in Vegas was at Mandalay Bay. I was in Vegas for the. Uh, the Super Bowl, and I was playing, I think, 2-4 Limit Hold'em at Mandalay Bay watching the Super Bowl on the biggest uh, TV screen I had ever seen at that point in my life. It was uh, it was very memorable. Yeah, Mandalay Bay definitely has a unique experience right there, situated right by, again, like you said, the like one of the biggest screens for sports books and stuff like that. So um, definitely we mix in a, uh, a lot of promotions with sports and poker in that, uh, in that poker room. And actually it has a soft spot in my heart too. Um, <laughs> prior to moving up in the company, I used to play a lot there in Mandalay Bay. I love that room. Yeah. There's something special about it. Um, now, you know, this podcast is sponsored by ACR and I understand that you have uh, relationships with some of my friends here at ACR. Is that right? I do, I do. Actually, uh, one of my great friends, uh, best friend, I should say, uh, Justin Kelly, does uh, some work with ACR. Uh, actually, I believe I know, I know we're we're doing a podcast, but like in real time, I believe the ACR show is on right now, and he's he's doing that. And uh, yeah, I just uh, a lot of people on the ACR team kind of. Uh, you know, uh, just uh, took me in as like a guy like on the outside looking in. But, you know, from an online perspective, just like, hey, this guy knows what he's doing in the brick and mortar session uh, section. Let's uh, see what he can do in the online side. Obviously, I don't work for them or anything like that, but just built a lot of friends and relationships there. And it, it's really a great team and a really great crew that that loves the game. Yeah. I mean, you strike me as a real uh, player in the poker world. Can you tell our listeners and, and me for that matter a little bit about how you started in this crazy industry and how you ended up being director of poker strategy at MGM International? Yeah, I, uh, I actually love telling this story um, and it seems like people love uh, listening to it. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've been playing poker all my life. My father taught me all kinds of crazy games, uh, even as young as like four and five years old. Uh, you know, you play Go Fish and Crazy Eights and stuff back then. But, you know, uh, just 
had a love for card games growing up. And um, when uh, I grew up in Massachusetts, I decided to move to Florida in uh, the early 2000s and played in some home games and eventually ran into some people that worked in a card room out there and, and learned how to deal poker. And, uh, you know, a year after that, uh, went out and dealt my first World Poker Tour event in Tunica, Mississippi. And that property owned by MGM Resorts uh, actually had help from the Bellagio team at the time to uh, run that event. And I caught the eye of a couple people from Bellagio. Uh, you know, they got some contacts and uh, the rest is history. Literally went back to Florida, packed my bags, moved to Vegas and uh, started at Bellagio again as a dealer and just worked my way up. And uh you know, a couple of years into it, the light bulb went off that I kind of wanted to uh, do more in poker. And that's where the, the passion for moving up through management and all the way to the role I'm doing today came from. You know, Sean, it's amazing to me how many people I know that started out as dealers and are now, you know, corporate executives, suit and tie, uh, you know, taking care of business, that kind of thing. It makes me wonder why more dealers don't see their position as uh, an opportunity to to use as a springboard. I mean, many times, you, of course, a lot of poker players complain about dealers, and the ones that stand out are the ones that are really good at it and really, you know, they're dedicated to the job, and they, they they obviously have a passion for the game, and they want the players to have a great experience. And then the others that stand out are the ones that seem like they couldn't care less uh, whether they make a mistake in every single hand. Uh, what do you think that is? Is it just the fact that there are so many different kinds of people that end up getting into the box? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think everyone that gets into poker, um, just like any other industry, says, hey, this is, you know, I want to I wanna ascend up this ladder. A lot of people get into dealing, and dealing is a fantastic job that I very well could have been happy working it through retirement. Um, and uh, I've, I've actually said this publicly many times that towards the end of my career, when I get ready to retire, I'm gonna start dealing again. It's just a fantastic job. Um, and anybody that's in it, if they love it, and that's what they love to do, and they don't wanna throw on the suit and tie and all that stuff and learn the operations side, that's okay too. You know, we need those people. And, um, you know, I, I always say the line level employee is the most important employee on the floor at all times. It's not your shift managers or your directors. It's those people that are making the connection with the guest every single time, every single day. So um, as, as much as it's, a, you know, a support position, it is the position in every poker room. And, uh, you know, it's a great job. And I understand why people are lifelong dealers. Yeah, I mean, all of our listeners that play poker in casinos around the world they interact with dealers a lot more than they do with uh, shift managers or you know pit boss or whoever else you might encounter in a casino. Those are your frontline, um, you know, direct contact with with the property, of course. So in your capacity as a director of poker strategy, which I love to just keep saying because I think it's the coolest job title <laughs> I've ever heard. Uh, what is the strategy? for MGM International like what what do you see happening in poker that my listeners can get excited about man um you know there's a like i said there's a lot of things going on in the background our partnership with bet mgm will definitely be a big part of our future um i i don't know how many people know this but uh last year we ran an event partnered with bet mgm at aria 
Um, and it was a one-off event just to test out the, you know, the, the, the partnership, them bringing in qualifiers from online and all this and seeing how it worked. And it was, it was highly successful. The players loved it. Um, and the thing that really excited me is, you know, a lot of people in poker know me and, and, and vice versa. I, I've had the privilege of meeting a lot of people in poker, but this new partnership brought in one third of the field. I had no clue who these people were and it was great. I was making introductions, telling them what we kind of do in the brick and mortar side. They were super excited. It was their first time in Vegas, first time doing it in a casino. And it was just, it felt like the beginning again. And by the beginning, I meant the boom. When you started seeing these people winning on Poker Stars and Full Tilt and all the other places and coming to the brick and mortar for the first time, it felt like that again. I was meeting new people. So I what I will say for the future is the future is bridging the gap, getting uh, online poker in more more and more jurisdictions, uh, getting it hopefully fingers crossed, you know, federally done at some point. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm dreaming there a little bit, we know, but, <laughs> you know, getting all that going and just making the poker product better for everyone. So that's what I'm most excited about. I know that's a pretty vague answer, but, you know, the futures with the, the, the online market and we are full steam ahead at MGM Resorts in uh, cultivating that that partnership. Interesting, because that really is how the boom happened in the first place uh, in the mid 2000s. Uh, you know, everybody was playing on various poker sites like you mentioned poker stars um, party poker was a major sponsor of the world poker tour and on and on and we are seeing uh, a return to that in some ways um, you know a lot of it is just legal matters so on that topic what do you think are the actual chances that we'll see uh, federal legislation similar to what they're doing in uh, the sports betting space uh, for poker around the u.s so it's it's a little bit more difficult in poker because, you know, with sports betting, you don't need liquidity across states. So if each state activates individually, that's fine. But what we want in poker, obviously, we want the ability for Nevada and California to play against each other and California to play New York and Massachusetts and so on and so forth. That's the dream. Right. And, you know, I, I wish I had some inside knowledge here or even like. Uh, uh, some hope here, but uh, it, you know, it's it's going to take a lot of time, a lot of work. I think you're going to see a lot more states just passing it themselves, um, and then starting to connect, and that's when we'll really see uh, the power of online poker and getting that you know big melting pot of all the states together playing poker at the same time. But again, it's going to take work and it's going to take time. Yeah, for sure. Now, to me, the most exciting thing that's happened in poker. Um, in my opinion, as a mostly live player myself, is uh, the advent of the mystery bounty. I'm absolutely obsessed with this format. I think it adds the right amount of gamble to poker. I think poker tournaments were starting to get a bit static, a little bit boring, maybe even robotic in some cases, where the right strategies seem to be like, well, I should totally fold, I should fold, I should fold, and just try to ladder up all the time. And that's not really fun to play, and it's definitely not fun to watch. Uh, by contrast, the proper strategy in a mystery bounty or similar type of events is uh, to get in there a little bit more and, and take shots at trying to uh, you know gather up some envelopes. Um, do you see any other innovations like that? Do you see um, expansion of the mystery bounty format? Uh, do you think there, are, there will be any new 
styles of tournament poker that we haven't seen before? Man, um, well, first let's tackle mystery bounties. Uh, I will say uh, I have never in my 20 years in this business seen the hype that surrounds these mystery bounties, and it is so refreshing to see. Um, one reason why I think they're really great, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said tournaments started becoming a little bit more stale, and, and not that you know big MTT, no limit holding tournaments are, are boring by any sense of imagination, but we've now added this dynamic with the mystery bounty, which for the casual player like myself adds a little bit of gamble. So, you know, I don't always have to win top prize by being the best player. I can luck box my way into drawing <laughs> out of a drum and just being like elated. I mean, I, I was laughing. I, I I think it was Matt Glantz who won the million dollars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, I mean, I, I've been friends with Matt for a long while and even I had to send him a text. It was just like, boo. Cause I wanted to see, I wanted to see a casual, player from from nowhere you know win that that kind of prize but no it's great to see matt win that and obviously that money stays in poker so that's great too but no there's there's just between that and you know we've been rocking with big blind annie for a while and that seems to be the the new standard i don't think anybody runs individualized annie um except online obviously because it doesn't matter online but, right um, you know, between those two things, we just we keep looking to the players. That's where these ideas generally come from. They generally birth from, you know, uh, one room here or, or a dealer think of a new innovation. I, I don't know who thought of bomb pots, but that seems to be very great now and everything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, where whenever the players bring it to us. We're, we're, we're quick to get it to market and say, hey, let's give this a shot for you guys. So uh, to your listeners, if you've got an idea, there's no idea too crazy, too wild, send it to me, send it to someone like a Paul Campbell type, anybody. These guys love to, to nerd out on this stuff. Just send them it and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give anything a try. Well, that's great. How do people reach you if they want to send you an idea? Um, I believe my direct messages are open on Twitter, so that's the easiest way, just at the poker boss. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably the easiest way. I mean, people people have now started to call me that in real life, and it's kind of funny, but um, no, just I tell everybody, no, Sean is cool. But yeah, at the poker boss on Twitter, uh, and any ideas, I definitely read them all. Well, it is such an honor to have a chance to talk to the poker boss here on the podcast. Uh, normally, I like to close my interviews by asking my guests if they have a, a hand that they want to share. Uh, I don't know if you want to go deep in strategy or maybe do something fun. Do you have a hand for us? Man, let me think here for a second. A hand. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, just just recently, uh, we had a wild hand. I, I Poker News might have actually reported on this. It was at the uh, Run Good event up in Sacramento at Thunder Valley and uh, we had an ambassador bomb pot tournament and uh, again adding variance to a game helps a player like me because generally in a, you know in, in no limit events or stuff like that I'm you know if I if I make it top 50 percent you know I if I luck my way into the top 50 percent I'm happy but yeah, in events right. like this that are swingy I actually got eighth in this event because I got super lucky on this one hand and uh, basically I'd ace jack um, and the flop came out, I want to say it was like jack five deuce with like two hearts. Um, and all the money goes in. Someone has a set of uh, fives and I have j ace jack. So I'm just basically dead here in the water. And somebody else had a flush draw. And sure enough, uh, 
the ace of hearts comes on the turn and now i have top two but i'm still <laughs> dead to a flush and a set <laughs> so of course we know where the story's going um <laughs> and bank no waiting jack on the river i fill up in a way that just makes no sense the whole room stops screens pictures are being taken people are laughing i felt so bad for the other guy but uh, he was a good poker player and he was a good sport about the whole thing and then like I said there might have been 60 70 players left at this point and I ended up running it all the way to eighth at the final table but super fun event super innovative you know like I said uh, we don't do a lot of bomb pot uh, you know bounty tournaments and stuff like that and that's exactly what this was and it was great <laughs> I love that hand Sean because so many times you know players uh, want to talk on the podcast about you know bad beats but they're usually not the bad beats they give, but more the ones they receive. <laughs> so this is great. You put that bad beat on somebody else, and that's fun. I did, I did. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> that's terrific. Well, I think it's a really good sign that companies like MGM International are taking poker seriously. It, it feels like we might have another boom coming with the synergies between online and live starting to line up in a way that they haven't been able to since Black Friday. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, any other thoughts you want to leave us with uh, before we say goodbye today? No, just uh, appreciate you having me on. I look forward to uh, doing this again sometime and uh, talking more about the, the direction of uh, poker for MGM Resorts, but poker in uh, for the whole industry. You know, it's like I said, it's in a, going in a great direction. Uh, even with our competitors, I see it. They're taking it seriously. They realize that Poker players add a lot of value, um, and um, you know it, it's just getting in front of the right people and letting them know. And it looks like everybody is doing their job right now, and uh, you know prioritizing poker as 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 the future in gaming. Yeah, well, I was lucky enough to attend the uh, 20th anniversary of the World Poker Tour um, at the Win Poker Room the other day. I know that's one of your competitors as well, uh, but man, I think they set a pretty high bar for what players uh, could imagine a poker tournament series looking like did you get over there at all uh yeah i did i did get to peek in there and uh kudos to them i uh i expect no less from uh my friends at the wpt and uh kudos to the win poker room um you know ryan puts on a great show over there but again uh yeah wpt just went just just swung for the fences and and they absolutely hit a home run for this and uh like you said they are a competitor over there at the win but this is a win for poker so you know we all can realize that that hey you know friendly competition is good and they have raised the bar a little bit and they got our eyes open and they got everybody else's eyes open so and that's at the end of the day is what's best for our players is being competitive and trying to outbeat each other's uh, product, and that's what they've done. So, you know, uh, the uh, action is on us, so to speak. Yeah, the action's <laughs> on you. And uh, before we go, what's happening at Borgata in January? It seems like Borgata Poker Room is uh, gearing up for something big too, right? Absolutely, and that's a great, great segue to close it out on uh, a real high note here. We're bringing back poker uh, tournaments to Borgata starting January 2nd. Uh, the event is called The Return. It's uh, four events over seven days. Uh, goes from the 2nd to the 8th, and there is a mystery bounty tournament to kick it off. Uh, it is a $2,200 event uh, and, again, starts January 2nd. And I will be in town January 6th. 
Uh, so if anybody wants to hang out, we have a live stream. Ask me any questions or uh, I can pick their brains on East Coast poker and what they feel like the direction is. I'd love to hear from anybody out there. That sounds great. So go to Borgata in Atlantic City, New Jersey next month. Beginning January 2nd, the big series is called The Return, and you can meet Sean, the poker boss, McCormick, in person beginning January 6th. So, uh, Sean, I really appreciate your time, and thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, sir, and again, happy holidays. You too. Okay, so for this week's strategy segment, I want to talk about another hand that I played on day one of the uh, Mystery Bounty in the WPT championship series at win in december of 2022 so just earlier this month this hand comes from the very last level of day one now when i tell you i had a good day one there was no time throughout day one that i was all in for my tournament chips at all early on i had something like three times average stack i spent almost the whole day with at least two times an average stack. Just everything that could go well did. My big pairs held up. I won the little coin flips. Everything was going great. So here we are in the very last level of the day. It's 4,000, 8,000 with an 8,000 big blind ante. And we have 471K in our stack. Now at this point in the tournament, the average stack is 270,000. And this is the final day one of this $1,600 WPT Mystery Bounty event. So if we manage to survive day one, we're going to end up in the money. The way it works in this tournament and in most of these types of tournaments at the win, if you make it to day two, you're automatically in the money and eligible to collect those elusive (laughs) Mystery Bounty envelopes, which in this tournament, the minimum envelope was $500, And the maximum envelope was $250,000. So there was one of those and I think five of the hundred thousands. They ended up, you know, it was guaranteed $2 million. They ended up having over $5 million in the prize pool. So it was a really big event and I was happy to have a lot of chips in it. So I want to talk about the hand before the one that I want to go over because it's important to set the scene. Uh, It was actually a couple of hands before that. But anyway... Recently, I, I've been the big stack at my table all day. Like I said, things have been going great. And then this guy with like almost twice as many chips as I have, just probably the tournament chip leader at that point, at least on my day one C, comes over. He's got like a really thick, I want to say Alabama accent. Strikes me as a recreational amateur player, um, a very thick southern accent. Seems to be, uh, you know, blue collar type of guy. He's kind of got like a... Just a real basic t-shirt, like ripped up jeans, work boots. You know, I'm trying to paint a picture. This guy's in his 40s. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he had some chewing tobacco in his back pocket. Just to give you a sense of, you know, what type he is. You know, I don't don't think this guy's spending a lot of time, like, kind of going over push-fold charts and ranges and, and things like that. He really struck me as an absolute amateur who had been running good (laughs) and had a lot of chips he might even be as i said the tournament chip leader so he sits down in the vacant seat that is three to my right so yeah there are two players between him and me so uh in this hand that i'm not involved in 
He only sat down on our table a short while ago. Seems to be a little bit chip drunk. You know, Mr. Personality. Hey, y'all, where y'all from? This kind of stuff. Uh, you know, which is great. I love, you know, being social at the table. But I had to wonder to myself, you know, how much of this, you know, great outgoing personality is just that he's, you know, high on the fact that he's, you know, winning this tournament right now. <laughs> and that top prize is probably more money than he's ever seen. More than most of us have ever seen, to be fair. So, yeah, I, that was kind of the vibe that I got from him. Well, for some reason, he gets involved in this huge pot where he's under the gun holding the queen six of clubs. He ends up getting into a huge pot with the player on my immediate right, who was a reasonable player from India. This guy showed up with 750-ish thousand chips, when, again, the average was around 270, okay? And I thought that my 471 was impressive. This guy had a lot of chips, and I don't know why he decided to play queen six suited under the gun, but he paid for it because on a board of queen, queen, six, king, deuce, he bet the river, got raised by the Indian player that I mentioned, and called and lost to king, queen. So it was a full house versus full house situation and wow, was that a huge pot. So now the player on my right who held the king-queen now has over a million chips and is almost certainly the tournament chip leader at that point. I believe that he started day two with a top five stack, uh, including all three starting days. And then this player who had shown up just a, a few minutes ago with 750K is now down to 300, which is barely above average. And he is not thinking about how his stack is still above average, how the big blind is only 8,000. He's got plenty of room to play. He is just, wow, man, I can't believe you had that hand. Well, my luck is so bad. And he's just going on and on and on. So two more hands pass by. And now this player is on the button. And I am under the gun with the ace of hearts, king of hearts. And I decide to open to 20,000. Now, as the cards were being dealt for this hand, just to be clear, uh, my friend from, I think, Alabama is still talking to the Indian guy. Nice hand, man. Wow, I can't believe you had that. What are the chances you hit that miracle king on the turn? Uh, all this kind of stuff, right? So he's just, you know, bemoaning his awful luck. You know, God forbid he take responsibility for the fact that he's the one who decided to play queen six suited from early position, <laughs> You know, it's really about, you're so lucky you hit that king. But he's clearly still thinking about that hand. His face is turning red. He's not in a calm and controlled mental state. And now the action folds to him on the button. And again, he's got 300,000 and he makes it 75K. And the action folds back to Clayton, again, having raised under the gun with the ace of hearts, king of hearts. Now, I have this player covered. I've got 60 big blinds. He's got just under 40 at this point, And my M is about 24-ish. So, uh, you know, I have a very strong starting hand. And I've just been three bet by a player who is likely to be on tilt to some degree. So what to do? I mean, I did consider that... We only need, I think at this point, there were nine players left that had to bust out of this thing before we'd all make it to day two, right? So do I want to just kind of preserve my stack 
right? I mean, the average is 270. We have 470. Well, now I put in 20. So I can actually fold here and still have a well above average stack heading into the day two of the mystery bounty and still have a great chance to collect some envelopes. Um, you know, I need to think about what the options are. Do I want to uh, just call and have to play ace-king suited from out of position versus this player that I think might be on tilt? Um, I don't know. I, I think with a, a worse hand, that might be a good option. But to me, I, you know, I'm not afraid to gamble, guys. So whenever I bemoan my luck, like realize that I, I know I put a lot of it on myself. You know, I'm not an ICM guy. I don't really care about cashing. I bubble probably more than anybody. So, and anyway, even if I lose this pot, I'm still going to have like 20 big blinds. So I'm still very likely to make day two if that should happen to occur. I don't really feel like calling is a viable option here. I mean, I can make a ridiculously tight fold or I can shove. That's the way I see it. You guys can agree or disagree with that, but that's just the way I play poker. I'm not looking to flat and try to play ace-king suited from out of position against a player who's probably on tilt. I'd rather try to get it all in pre against his likely ace-jack or possibly even worse. You know, Who knows what's going through his mind? But another thing that could happen is if he three-bet me with a hand like pocket tens, pocket jacks, he might actually fold that hand worried that he could go from having a massive chip lead to actually not cashing. You know, tilt manifests itself in different ways for different individuals. And while I'm trying to make certain assumptions about this player's, you know, economic background and state of mind that he might be, you know, in after having accumulated and then promptly lost such a massive stack in this major tournament. So I'm sitting there like, I don't know, maybe this guy, he could fold. You know, if I can get him to fold tens here, that would be such a coup. I don't really know if that's going to happen. I have seen players who were on tilt go the other direction and end up folding too much. Although most of the time, the more recreational players are likely to just get it in and try to get their money back, right? So I want him to do that with ace jack, ace queen. And it's not really the end of the world unless he has pocket aces, pocket kings, you know, whatever. I'll flip a coin for 40 of these 60 big blinds. I would love to end up with 100 plus big blinds heading into day two of the mystery bounty. And I can finally open my first ever envelope. Man, I just want an envelope. So you know what? I'm all in. And my opponent snap calls. He beats me into the pot with pocket jacks. He did not consider. When I tell you he did not consider folding for even one half of one second, I'm not exaggerating. This man could not have called faster. And before I even showed what I had, he started saying out loud, let's get it back. Let's get it all back. We're going to get it all back. So, I mean, how does he know I don't have Jack's beat? You know, He's lucky that I have Ace King suited. I'm the one who raised under the gun, right? Anyway, um, he's lucky that he had a coin flip and even luckier that he flopped a Jack. So... Uh, the good news is we did make it to day two. The bad news is we did so with about 10 big blinds and uh, lost the first hand that we played on day two and got another min cash in another mystery bounty tournament at the Wynn Hotel and Casino in fabulous Las Vegas. So that's how that one wrapped up. 
some of you were asking in a previous episode, I was reviewing hands from the Venom PKO, and I wanted to let you guys know I did make day two of that tournament, but devastation took place. I had an average stack, and a lot of bad things happened, including aces cracked by queens on day two, which caused me to not even cash in that tournament at all. So kind of a microcosm of the year that was 2022, the way this coin flip turned out, and then uh, obviously the bad beat that I took in that Venom tournament that we had been reviewing in recent weeks. I wanted to kind of just circle back to that one since we had a pin in it with everything that's been going on with my recent travels and all. So I want to let you guys know about those tournaments. I see much brighter things on my horizons as I have been putting in a lot of work. I do not have results to show for it yet, especially as I have taken a loss in 2022 in the poker division of Clayton Fletcher Enterprises. But I I remain optimistic for the new year. And on our next episode next week, I want to talk to you guys about my goals for poker in 2023. And that'll do it for this episode. I want to thank you guys for your continued support of this podcast. Please subscribe. Please rate and review. You guys have no idea how much that does for us as we continue to grow and grow with our fabulous sponsor, ACR, America's Card Room. Click the link in the description to join, to sign up for ACR, and you can get a first-time deposit bonus of 100% up to $2,000 by using the promo code TPE. And so, with special thanks to our great sponsor, America's Card Room, as well as my special guest this week, Sean the Poker Boss McCormick, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. Hold them like they do in Texas plays. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. Lock in intuition, play the cards with babes to start. And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart. It's not rough, it isn't fun.